Howdy everyone! It's a new week and that means new movies. This week we have two movies based off old books, two remakes, and some coral. It's the week of July 14th, 2017, and it's my birthday. Welcome to Future Flicks. everyone welcome welcome to the show you heard right it's my birthday happy birthday to me but billiam you may be asking it is your birthday why are you not out there celebrating well i am because i record this early but also even if i didn't i would still do this i'd do this for you and that's kind of a lie <laughs> uh, it would probably be a late episode if i had to record on my birthday but um but you know what for the sake of argument we'll say i would have done it anyway well, this is episode 50. We have made it halfway to 100. So welcome to the Future Flicks journey to 100. No, that's that's not going to be a thing. I, I don't know what I would do with that. You know, before we get started, I'd like to make a correction, something that one of our listeners, that's right, one of you noticed, Brian noticed this. He noticed that I got John Waters and John Hughes confused, and I have given myself the 50 lashes to make up for the fact that I made such a mistake. He called me out on Twitter, verbally abused me. It was terrible. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, <laughs> but yes, when I was talking about Spider-Man Homecoming last week, I meant John Hughes, not John Waters. That part of the movie felt like a John Hughes movie, a la Pretty in Pink, all those. And I was right. Part of the movie did feel like that. Uh, I, I really want to write a review for this, but it's hard to find time. I will try to squeeze it in somewhere and get a review out. It will probably be a written review, so keep your eyes open for that. Hopefully I'll get around to it. I'll try to start working on it tonight. So thank you, Brian, for keeping me in check. Thank you for listening. Honestly, I mean, you don't have to. You're a fan of Watch Your Mouth. You're a fan of Somewhat Nerdy. And you listen to the show, too. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I, I really say that every episode. I sound like a broken record, but I do mean it. Thank you, everyone, for your support. And enough with the ass-kissing. Let's get on with the show. But first, let me talk a little bit about what it is I do here on FutureFlex, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome to the show. Glad to have you as part of the Future Friends. So on FutureFlex, I go over every movie that's being released during the week. I talk about it talk about who's in it, my thoughts on it. I will give the movie a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. This score is only based on the trailer and sometimes things I have read about the movie. We also go over some news and some trailers, but let's start this episode with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. I am back on YouTube. We are all caught up on YouTube. So yay, there's that. You can also find me on any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. You know, add Tumblr to that list too. But the Somewhat Nerdy website is www.somewhatnerdy.com. You can reach me on Twitter, BilliamSWN. Instagram, BilliamSWN. I've been getting a lot better at being on Instagram. 
Thank Anne for that. She's really getting on top of me, having me take pictures, helping me with hashtags because hashtags are the way of the future. You know, listen, listen to those words are the way of the future. Brand new invention. Never been around before. I found it. All right. Enough with the blatant and obvious line. Yeah, I'm more active on Instagram now. So yay, pictures and sh All right. Well, let's jump right into the first segment, which as always is the news. John Oliver has signed on to do the voice of Zazu in the live-action Lion King movie that's being worked on by director John Favreau. He joins Donald Glover as Simba, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa, Billy Eichner as Timon, and James Earl Jones returning as Mufasa. I wonder if he'll survive this time. We can only hope. In other live-action Disney news, Aladdin is having trouble finding a cast. This movie is being helmed by Guy Ritchie and penned by John August, who wrote movies like Dark Shadows, Big Fish, Corpse Bride, and Titan A.E. Guy Ritchie wants an unknown actor to play the lead role, but has been having trouble finding someone. Apparently, finding someone who can sing, dance, and act is a little hard. Go figure. The studio wants actors like Dev Patel or Riz Ahmed, but Richie is holding out hope for a newcomer. So far, Will Smith is the only rumored casting decision as he would play the genie. They are waiting to cast Aladdin before casting Jasmine, as the chemistry between the two is vital for the story. Though I don't see why they can't just cast Jasmine right now, so anyone that comes in to read for Aladdin will then do scenes with the Jasmine to see if they fit. They could go ahead with some of the casting, and it might help them find a new actor. But, you know, they've been doing this longer than me, which means they've been doing it at all, and I've never done it, so there's, there's that. In other news, Daniel Craig is reportedly signed on for the 25th Bond film, this reported by The Mirror. All this after Craig said that he would rather slash his wrists than return to the franchise, which caused a tiny lawsuit in the form of a shut the f up order from on high. He later said that if he did return for another movie, it would be for the money. Well, looks like they found the right price. It's also said that Adele will be singing the theme song again. I don't like that part as much, even though I like Adele, because historically the Bond theme has been sung by different singers each movie. Of course, hopefully this means that they learned their lesson and realize that Sam Smith is garbage. At least that song he did was garbage and should never be played anywhere ever again. He should be ashamed and they should be ashamed of that song. It was terrible. The Grudge is getting a reboot because why not? The only good thing about the American Grudge movies was that it was another chance to see Sarah Michelle Gellar in anything. That's it. It was terrible otherwise. And the original Japanese one, Ju Owen, was much better. Still cheesy, but much better. America just can't do a good job of remaking foreign horror. America needs to do their own thing and leave these other styles to the countries in which they originated. And this isn't some social justice warrior type of cultural appropriation thing I'm, I'm arguing on. No, it's just that America's bad at it. John Williams has stepped down from composing the score to Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Why, you may ask? Was there some big falling out? Is he having health problems? No, nothing that dramatic. He just had another project that was going to start at the same time, so he couldn't do both. Funny thing is, it was another Spielberg movie. So he left one Spielberg film so he could do another. That movie is called The Papers, a movie about the Pentagon Papers. Spider-Man won the weekend, falling just $2,985,000 short of their $120 million goal. That's right, Spider-Man Homecoming raked in about $117 million this weekend domestically and $250 million worldwide. According to Deadline, a judge has thrown out the copyright lawsuit against the movie Zootopia and, of course, Disney. 
saying that the plaintiff failed to present enough information and enough evidence showing that Disney had prior knowledge of his idea to make a movie and thus stole it. The only thing he did provide were character designs, and while there are similarities, and I have no doubt that Disney took those and designed new characters around them, but there was enough differences in those or between the characters that it wasn't copyright. As for the rest of it, as for the story and the name, he didn't provide any evidence in that, so the judge just threw the case out. According to the playlist, Charlize Theron has said that the script for the Mad Max prequel, Furiosa, is ready to go. Sad news out of Hollywood, actor Nelson Ellis passed away on the 8th due to complications from heart failure. He was just 39 years old. He was best known as Lafayette from True Blood. The cause of the heart failure was that he was detoxing from alcohol. And finally in the news, do you remember the 80s movie Heathers? Starred Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Well, it's being remade as a TV show starring Selma Blair. This is set to air on TV Land next year. All this according to Slash Film. Well, that's it for the news. If I miss any stories, you know, if I ever miss any stories that you think are important, hit me up with them. Tweet me, email me, billionreviews at gmail.com. Just reach me and I will tackle it in the next episode. But let's get ready. Let's get ready to enter the trailer trove avast and welcome to the trailer trove so there's this little movie called dave made a maze that got its first trailer on july 6th this movie looks like indie comedy gold it looks like someone got way too stoned one day and decided to write this is a movie about a guy who gets bored and makes a maze out of cardboard boxes in his apartment problem is he makes it way too big and gets lost a group of people go in after him and get lost as well and together they have to complete the maze in order to get out check out the trailer it looks really good the osiris child science fiction volume one has a new trailer and too bad they don't have a new title yet this still looks stupid and entertaining as all hell kind of like commando and the fifth element had a beautiful baby the question is when the f is it coming out the only known American release date was back in May for the Seattle Film Festival. But if you're a future friend from Kuwait, it came out on the 6th, so, so good job. Watch it and tell me what you think. Also in the trove, we got a new trailer from Geostorm that shows that yes, this movie has a plot, but the question is, do we really care? The movie like this, it's going to be disaster porn. You're just going to watch get messed up by tornadoes and tidal waves and all this awesome, scary nature sh Do we need a plot thrown along with it? Maybe if the plot's not that bad. From the looks of it, it's going to be at least mildly entertaining. But when I see this, I'm going to do it for the ridiculous CG and everything being over the top. And finally, in the trove, we have a new trailer for The Dark Tower, which shows more of the gunslinger being awesome. And that is it for the trailer trove. Let's get on with the show and go on to the movies with this film called Swallows and Amazons. It actually sounds like what could be the name of a porno. I just want to say that that's a terrible name. Four children are on a holiday and find a small island in the middle of a lake. They start to play there but find a group of children that were already there and don't feel like sharing the island. The two groups of kids start fighting but have to put their war on hold when a mysterious man goes missing and they believe they can help find him. This stars Kelly McDonald from Trainspotting, Andrew Scott from Sherlock, and Rafe Spall from Prometheus. 
this looks like a cute and fun adventure movie that comes to us from across the pond and was directed by a woman with what I believe to be one of the most British names ever, Philippa Lothorpe. If you ever watched a show called The Midwife or The Crown, then you may have seen some of her work as she's directed episodes of both shows. The names I gave you earlier, the names of the actors, uh, were just the top build ones. The story really revolves around the children and their adventure with the adults playing a bit part. The trouble for the child actors is that no one knows who the hell they are, because for some of them this is very early on in their career, or for other ones they've played bit roles in other movies, like just playing the kid. So I'm guessing the thought process behind this movie was why give these kids top billing when they could just give the names of people that the masses may know. This film is going to be a simple family adventure drama. Nothing challenging, no scenes of amazing acting, no stunning visuals besides the beautiful Yorkshire countryside, and no plot that screams, watch me. This movie will be fun and enjoyable, but ultimately skippable. While watching the trailer, I couldn't help but think that I would enjoy the film, but already felt the lethargy kicking in when the thought of putting effort into watching this came to mind. This was a perfect example of a movie to watch at home on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon Prime, and that would be enjoyed, but not worth any more effort than that to watch. The acting looks passable and even good at times. It's a simple story that will tug on our sense of adventure as shown through the eyes of a child. It will be non-challenging and non-offensive, a great movie to watch for a family movie night. There's something special about movies like this, like Goonies and Bridget to Terabithia, adventure movies that don't get as intense like Indiana Jones can, something that's always fun and enjoyable even if it doesn't stick with you. Goonies is a movie I will always remember. But Bridget Terabithia is one that I liked but haven't seen since and have almost completely forgotten. I just remember liking it. I think this movie is going to be like that. That also affects my final score, which is as follows. Swallows and Amazons gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Endless Poetry. This is an autobiographical fantasy drama about the time writer-director Alejandro Jodorowsky spent in Chile. Welcome! to what looks like Damien Hirst's acid trip. This is the weirdest trailer that I have seen in a long while, but at the same time, I can appreciate it as art. And, and here's where I'm going to start splitting hairs. Let me just say really quick that this is a foreign film, so just be aware of that. Movies are a form of art. This is a widely agreed upon fact. This is obvious. Everything from the most indiest of indie films to the biggest commercialized blockbuster, movies are art. However, I look at art as in paintings, sculptures, and stuff like that in a different way, and also critique it a totally different way than I do films. That too may seem obvious, but here's the payoff. Here's why I brought this up. As a movie, this looks like utter garbage. Some guy just jerked off onto a piece of paper and turned it into a movie. As art, like if this played at my local MoMA, or maybe at the Tate in London, then I could get behind this. Okay, do you understand where I'm going with this? The way I look at this movie changes the score. If I judge this as art like Damien Hirst, Marcel Duchamp, or more accurately, Matthew Barney and his Cremaster cycle, then I'll rate this a lot higher. If I'm rating this as an artsy movie along the lines of David Lynch or Ingmar Bergman, then I'm rating this a lot lower. This movie is really, 
really weird and so obtuse that it feels contrived and fake. But I think that's because I'm viewing this as an actual movie with an actual release date, something that's going to hit the theaters instead of hitting the art circuit. This has a cast of actors, it has a budget and all that jazz. If this was announced through Sotheby's as a new traveling art piece, then I may go see it because I love being an art douchebag when the chance arises. Here's what it all comes down to. This is being released like a straight up movie, so I am judging this as a straight up movie. While it looks pretty at times, this is nonsensical with a veneer of forced artsiness glossed over everything. This film and its director is full of hot air. Endless Poetry gets a 2 out of 11. And finally, before the break, we have a documentary about Coral. Welcome to Chasing Coral. This is a documentary about the founding of the coral meme. No, I'm kidding. This is actually a lot more serious. Coral reefs around the world are vanishing at an alarming rate. A team sets out to set up cameras and investigate the occurrences of coral bleaching and create a documentary to help spread awareness. This is a documentary directed by Jeff Orlowski, who is the man behind Chasing Ice, a documentary about vanilla ice. No, I'm kidding again. A documentary about the vanishing polar ice caps. The good thing about this documentary, and it's very smart that they did this, is that it's coming out in theaters and on Netflix right away. How many times have I talked about there being documentaries that I was interested in, but not enough to go see in theaters? A metric ton. How many of those have I actually seen? None. Not a single goddamn one. This is the right way to do it. This is the way you do it so more people will actually see it. Do you want to go out to a theater to watch a documentary? Maybe not. Do you want to sit on your ass, eat Cheetos, and watch a documentary? Yes, let's do that. Let's do, let, let's do that. Let's all come over to my house. We'll sit on our asses, eat Cheetos, drink Zima, and watch a movie about how Coral is dying. There we go. All right, I kind of talked down about it just now, but it's a much better way to do it, and it will make more people see it. The problem is that with movies like this, it's preaching to the choir. Climate deniers, those mouth-breathing troglodytes, would never watch this movie, and even if they did, they'd watch it just to say how much propaganda bullshit the whole thing was. And for people on the other side of the argument, this is just preaching to the choir, like I said. And for everyone else, people who may fall more in the middle, they won't see this at all. They don't care enough. And I'm not saying they don't care about the environment, blah, blah, blah. They just don't care enough to watch a documentary about it. This looks like it's going to be a well-shot documentary that's going to have the drama of vanishing coral reefs, but it's also going to add drama in the form of the struggle the camera crew went through to place the cameras. So that's going to add a bit of excitement. So this is going to be more interesting than some documentary you, you would have watched in school. You know the drill, though. As far as documentaries go, it's all up to you. Of course, it's always up to you if you see these movies or not, but especially with these. My suggestion shouldn't matter much in this case. You either like the topic or you don't. In the form of other movies, of course my word is law. Duh! Why else would you listen to Future Flicks? But even in this case, I will still give my score. Chasing Coral gets a 7 out of 11. And with that, future friends, it is time for the break. I had hoped to have a new promo by this time. I emailed our good friends at Watch Your Mouth going, hey, I love your show. We are we have this great bromance going on. Give me your promo. But but those guys didn't respond. It's been seven days, not that I'm counting. I'm not counting at all. I'm not counting the seven days with my tear streaks on my calendar. But alas, no promo for them yet. So you will hear from our good friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Nerds of the Squared Circle, and the Uncorked Gamers. Stay tuned. Yeah. 
Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds in a squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds in a squared circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds in a squared circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncore Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're remember, all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. And welcome back. Do you know what was missing? Do you know what was missing during that break? Ken Petrie's sultry voice. So come on, guys. Get on the ball here. Sultry voice? Bromance? Am I flirting a little bit with the watch your mouth, guys? I don't know. My fiance's right behind me. Let's see what she says. She's staring at me. It could be a stare of anger. I haven't learned how to read this yet. Okay, yeah, anger probably. Well, let's let's move on with the show, and let's get on with the next movie, called Blind. It's the movie you didn't see coming. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, that's f***ed up. Alright, um, the next movie is called Blind. A woman is sentenced to community service after her and her husband are charged with a crime. While doing her service, she meets a blind novelist, and the two grow close, much to the displeasure of her distant husband. This stars Alec Baldwin from 30 Walk, Walk? 30 Walk, coming to you from the creators of 30 Rock. Yes, it's a show about Chinese cooking. No, this stars Alec Baldwin from 30 Rock, Demi Moore from G.I. Jane, and Dylan McDermott from The Practice. This trailer took me on a wild ride. At first, I was really behind this movie. It looked like a great role for Alec Baldwin. I haven't seen Demi Moore or Dylan McDermott in a while, so I was stoked. It looked like a good movie, kind of like a horse whisperer type movie, but with criminals instead of rich people and a blind man instead of a horse. But other than that, it's the same. So like I said, I really liked the first half of the trailer, but then it got cheesy. Really cheesy. Demi Moore grabs a blindfold and says, I want to see how you see. Are you kidding me you really have that line and scene in your movie you should all be embarrassed that is cheesy the rest of the trailer went downhill from there and i was left disappointed just like a half-assed hand job it was stupid they had a good idea on their hands but it dissolved into this basic plot where she falls for the blind guy and her 
evil husband gets jealous and violent. This film is unoriginal and sad, and there's no reason anyone should watch this. There's nothing worth anyone's time in this film. Pass on this. Pass hard. Blind. Pass what you can't see it. <laughs> We're going to hell. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's something. Blind gets a 1 out of 11. Next up this week, we have Lady Macbeth. A young woman has been sold into marriage to a middle-aged man bent on controlling every aspect of her life. When he goes on a trip, she leaves the house and meets a young worker on the estate. The two fall for each other and will do anything to be together. This stars relative newcomer Florence Pug. I think that's how I say it. P-U-G-H. Pug? Pug? I'm not going to bother Googling it. If anyone knows, let me know. Okay, I lied. I Googled it. According to Google, it's pronounced Pew. P-U-G-H is Pew. There we go. She was in a show called The Falling, or a movie called The Falling. It also stars Christopher Fairbank, who was the broker in Guardians of the Galaxy. This is based on a book by Nikolai Leskov and has been adapted into film a few times. But each time it seems just a little different. For example, <laughs> I don't go that high pitched, alright? Maybe sometimes. <laughs> For example, if I may finish, a version of this from 1962 in Yugoslavia has Katarina, Lady Macbeth, as the bad guy. At least that's what the film plot makes it look like. Like she's evil and conniving. And this one, she just looks like she's trying to escape from this a-hole. Uh, the other version is the opera version. Apparently this is a famous opera. Popular, one of the most popular 20th century operas. So there you go. Uh, that can help you on Jeopardy one day. You're welcome. If you win money and, and that has anything to do with it, I, I uh, would like a new soundboard. Uh, if you win a lot of money, I'd like a studio. That'd be great. Uh, the trailer called this the most radical film of the movie season. So a movie based on a novella from 1865 is the most radical film of the season. I f doubt it. This is a stale story. How many times have I said something just like this before? When this book came out, it may have been a newish idea, or at least not as stale as it is now. But the fact is that it's being turned into a movie 152 years later, and the amount of media, the amount of stories written has exponentially grown, so this story is old now. It doesn't matter that it was one of the first. It's coming out now, and we know this. We know this story. Let me say something good about this movie, though. It looks well shot and well acted, but unfortunately that alone can't save it. What this movie really needs, what it really needed, was to change the story just a little bit to make it feel new. Then, coupled with the good acting and cinematography, you'd have a much better movie. But like I said, this movie is stale, and not even the two things it did right can save it. Lady Macbeth gets a 4 out of 11. Alright, we have two movies left this week and only one pick. It should be obvious what my pick is, but I'm, I am actually want to see both of these movies. Since it's my birthday, I'm going to partay and see two movies. Because I know how to partay. Hi. <laughs> Alright, that, that, the first movie that I'm going to see this week, but not my pick, is called Wish Upon. Which is fitting, because I'm going to like blowing out candles and wishing for things. Because that's what you do at birthdays. A girl finds a music box that grants wishes. As she makes more and more wishes, she learns that it comes at a price. This stars Joey King from The Conjuring, 
Ryan Felipe from The Lincoln Lawyer, and Ki Hong Lee from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, as well as Sharon Purser from Stranger Things. I forgot about her. This is brought to us by John R. Leonetti, who directed Annabelle and was co-producer and cinematographer of The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. This movie is an example of what to do with a stale idea. We've seen movies like this before in Ouija and The Possession, but this movie, just like Fleetwood Mac, goes its own way. So while it may feel familiar, it's not a ripoff, and the stuff added to the plot turns it from stale to fresh. I know Lady Macbeth was based off a book, and this one isn't, but how many times do they take something that's based off a book and change it around a bit? I think that's what the last movie needed. It's what this movie did, and it worked. This film isn't for everyone, though. You either like horror, or you're wrong. Sure, there are a few movies that straddle the line well enough that non-horror fans will see it. Films like It Follows or The Babadook. Okay, maybe bad examples because those were lame movies, but people saw those. Get Out also really straddled the line. Thank you, Anne, for suggesting that one. That that was a good one that people saw that, that straddled the line really well. Unlike movies like, say, The Sinister or Conjuring, if you see this movie you're going to watch a basic modern horror. This film isn't going to try and be anything else. It's not trying to bend genres, it's not trying to be artsy. It's trying to scare the easily scared and entertain the fans of horror. The star and director of this film are no strangers to this genre, so we're in good hands. This could be worth a watch on the big screen if you're a fan of scary movies, and if you're not but still interested, then it should be watched at home, but still check it out. Put it on your Halloween movie list. Wish Upon gets a 7.5 out of 11. And finally, my friends, it is time for my pick of the week, which is, as you've probably guessed, War for the Planet of the Apes. After the events of Rise, Caesar just wants to build a safe home for his apes. Trouble is, a new foe emerges and threatens to wipe out all of the apes unless Caesar and his clan can rise up and take down the colonel. Andy Serkis returns as Caesar, and this also stars Woody Harrelson from Zombieland and Steve Zahn from A Perfect Getaway. Now, this is a movie I'm really excited for, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the best movies of the year. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was a good movie, but the series really found its stride in the sequel, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and that's where it really came into its own, and it went from a good origin story, for, you know, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, to a really good movie that shows more of how the Society of the Apes came to be. This, people have been calling this the final one in the trilogy, but I don't think that it was set to be a trilogy, really. It could be. This could be the last movie, but nothing I've read confirmed that this is it. In the original Planet of the Apes and in the sequels, and of course in the Mark Wahlberg remake that was directed by Tim Burton and also starred Helena Bonham Carter, Michael Clark Duncan, and Paul Giamatti, in all of those, the apes weren't necessarily sympathetic. They... They, they were treated a lot like just people, while there are good ones and bad ones. A lot of them are bad, but there are a couple good ones that always help the main character. In this series, it shows them as sympathetic creatures who weren't asked to be created, but were created thanks to this magical drug or whatever it was, and now they have to find their own. So this whole franchise has taken the apes from mainly antagonists and made them the main characters, made them the ones that we sympathize and identify with. I don't think it's going to start with this movie, but I really hope it does. I hope the Planet of the Apes movies and Andy Serkis's work in general makes the Academy realize that they have to start considering motion capture 
for acting awards because Andy Serkis has done a better job in this series than a lot of actors, even some of the really big actors have ever done. So hopefully when this series is done, the Academy can look at this and go, well, maybe we should, you know, take our heads out of our asses and notice that the future is here. This is directed by Matt Reeves, who directed the last movie, so he already knows how to handle these characters and where they're going. He actually hasn't done much before these movies. The biggest ones he did before this were Cloverfield and Let Me In, and really before that he did episodes of Felicity and Gideon's Crossing. But it looks like he's just moving up from here as the next project he's working on is The Batman. This film was also written by Matt Reeves and by Mark Bomback, who wrote Total Recall, not the original one, the remake, The Wolverine, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Live Free or Die Hard. So the team that made Dawn of the Planet of the Apes so good has returned to do this movie, and that's even more signs pointing to this that this is going to be a great movie. The problem that this will have in the theaters is that there are still people who haven't seen the first two movies, and this is a terrible place to just jump into the franchise, because you have to have seen the first two to really, really appreciate what's going on here. So anyone who hasn't seen the first two won't see this, and that's going to cut out a lot of potential money this movie can make. It's not the same really with the Marvel movies, though, because you may be confused. Like, Anne and I went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming, and we watched Civil War before then, but even if you haven't seen a lot of them, you can still jump in and have a good time. With this, though, with with a plot that really moves on from movie to movie that doesn't get you know split off in a million different directions, it matters. So while I think this is going to be one of the best movies of the year, I don't think it's going to do as well in theaters as some of the other movies that have already come out, like Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, because let's face it, Marvel and DC, even though Marvel, I think, does a better job, Marvel and DC rule the box office. So this is it. This is the movie I think everyone should watch. If you haven't seen the first two movies, you really need to catch up. You really need to see them because they are worth a watch and they are enjoyable. And if you can see this one in theaters, it is going to be worth your time. It is going to be worth the price of a ticket. War for the Planet of the Apes gets an 11 out of 11. And with that, that is it for this week, folks. We have talked about every movie coming out, except actually The Big Sick gets a wider release date this week. So when I mentioned it a couple weeks back, it was actually the limited release. Now it's getting a bigger release, and it looks like it's been doing really well. A lot of people who have seen it love the movie. Listen back to... And you know what? Correction, I actually didn't talk about this movie. When I took a break after the one-year anniversary, this movie came out, or the limited release was during that break. So let me talk about it really quick. The movie is called The Big Sick. It stars Kumail Nanjiani from Silicon Valley, Zoe Kazan from My Blind Brother, Holly Hunter from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and Ray Romano from Of Course Everybody Loves Raymond. And you know what? I did the order wrong on this. See what happens when I don't have notes ready. I I go, uh, it's chaos. It's utter chaos. No one knows what order I'm going to do things in. All right, so this movie is about a Pakistani guy who's dating a white girl and finds that it's difficult dealing with his parents while dating a white girl as his parents keep on trying to set him up with Pakistani women. The two break up, but shortly after, his ex-girlfriend becomes sick and he finds himself at her bedside, unable to leave because he realizes that she's the one he loves. While there, he gets to know her family, who start out not liking him, but they start to grow closer as he opens up and realizes his feelings for her. 
Alright, I'll try to keep this quick. What we have here is a comedy that's going to mainly focus on Kumail Nanjiani's style of comedy. If you've ever seen him do stand-up, you'll be familiar with that. Or the roles he plays. He, he usually plays the same sort of roles, so you, you know him. You really do. But it's also going to focus on cultural differences between his culture, the Pakistani culture, and American culture. So when his family... It's trying to get him to date a Pakistani woman. The white girl and the white family just, just can't grasp that. So you're going to have a lot of comedy based on the differences and the misunderstandings that arise from that. This movie looks charming. It looks honestly hilarious. And it looks like it's going to be quite romantic too. Of course, the trailer doesn't really hint at what will happen when she wakes up. I'm assuming she wakes up because it doesn't seem like the type of movie that's just going to kill her. This seems like a feel-good indie comedy instead of a indie comedy, which could still find a way to be morbid. This had been my pick for the week that I thought it had been coming out initially during the break, and the more I learned about this movie, and since then, my opinion has changed. I want to see this even more now, but I don't want to see it enough to see it in theaters. This is really something that I will check out when it comes out on streaming, maybe even buy when it comes out on DVD, if the price is good enough. It seems funny enough, and people I know, people I trust have seen this and like it. So if you're in the mood for a comedy this week, try this. It looks charming, romantic, funny. If you're not, check out War for the Planet of the Apes or Wish Upon. This is a week of good movies. It's also a week of a lot of crap, as you can tell by some of the low scores I gave you. But this movie is on the better side of the list, as The Big Sick gets an 8 out of 11. Well, now that is truly it. Once we got that out of the way, once I realized my mistake, and it is time for the question of the week. So I don't think I got any answers this week, but let me just check just in case. All right, just got done checking. Nope, nope, no answers. No love this week. That's that's wrong. I got plenty of love, just not in the form of answers. So let me give you my answer. The question was, what movie or movie franchise do you wish got a second chance? So it could be a movie that was supposed to have sequels and never did, or a movie franchise that suddenly stopped because of a bad because of one bad movie and never continued. So my answer for this was a movie from back in 1998, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who did Predator 2 and Race. And that movie is called Lost in Space. Yes, Lost in Space, the movie based on the TV series. It was supposed to be a series of movies, but the first one failed so bad that they never continued with it. It starred William Hurt and Gary Oldman, Matt LeBlanc, Heather Graham, and... Jared Harris. Was it a great movie? No, not at all. Uh, it, it was kind of bad, kind of cheesy, but so was the original show. I would have liked to see where they went with it. I wanted to find out how the series is going to end, because the movie ended with them jumping into their ship, getting their ship working, jumping into it, and just hitting the hyperdrive and going God knows where. So that's what I wish got more movies. I was going to say John Carter, but everyone knows how I feel about that movie. Everyone knows I love that movie, so I had to pick something different. But remember, folks, if you have an answer for this, if you forgot to answer, or if you're listening for the first time and you have an answer, even though it was last week's question, it's never too late. Always hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, whatever. Hit me up any way that I list in the housekeeping at the end. But, my friends, it is time for the new question of the week. And the question for this week, for episode 50, is what is your favorite old cheesy movie? And by old, I mean 50s, 60s, 70s, movies like the original Planet of the Apes. So things like that. What is your favorite old cheesy movie? 
So that is it for this episode. You can answer the question in the following ways as I get into the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's www.somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. Five stars. Throw five stars my way. I would love that. Throw Also throw in a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. How do you reach me and answer the question? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter at BilliamSWN. Instagram Billiam SWN, Tumblr untapped, Billiam SWN there. Email me at billiamreviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. They are on their hiatus because they just wrapped up their ninth semester. So I'm going to be deprived of them for two weeks. I believe it's two weeks. I'm going to be deprived of them for at least a week, which is far too many weeks. Check out the Uncorked Gamers a podcast that I used to be on. I was on for a few episodes, and I will be returning to them this September. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all the latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.